0: Welcome back to a special collaborative series that is running as a joint project between the SA Pioneering Podcast and the Some Sort of Miracle Podcast. In this series, we will be working through a new free online training platform that the Salvation Army's pioneering team have put together. At our roots, we are a missional movement formed in and around the missional DNA. It is imperative that as a movement in today's world, we as believers engage with the edges and margins of society. Our belief is that whilst some are pioneers, all are called to pioneering. By pioneering, we mean to break new ground, reach new people in new ways. This course has been especially designed to introduce you to this missional DNA, connecting you to others on the journey of pioneering and support you as you explore God's calling on your life.
1: If you'd like to join us on this journey, we'd love to invite you to sign up to the training course at pioneerbitesize.com My name is Ed. And I'm joined today by John. Hello. By Hannah. Hiya. And by Beth.
2: Hi.
1: And this is your first time on this special collaborative bo- podcast, isn't it, Beth?
2: It is.
1: Awesome. Could you just give us a bit of introduction of who you are and what you do?
2: Of course. So my name is Beth Munn. I am married to John on the podcast, who is on the podcast. Uh, and I also am a pioneer... Uh, leader and um, for the community of faversham um and i also have a enabler role with um a specialism of young adults i do have a youth heart i think is the great the best way yeah. to explain that um so that is me i think
1: awesome i feel like i need to confess something to you beth from the first episode and uh if you you may remember Beth's voice here from the videos on the first episode Jesus is Lord and when we were recording the episode i introduced beth as john's wife and only in the edit did i realize that is so rude to not give her a full title because you are so much more than John's wife. It's great that you're John's wife. We love that. But uh, you are amazing in your own right. And I uh, so I went back and I re-recorded some, an intro for you and put it into the podcast because I oh thought me. that's not good enough. <laughs> uh, so I feel better now. That's off my chest. And wow. I've admitted that to Eat you face to face. It was, yeah. It was tearing me apart, Beth. So thank you for coming on and, and hearing my confession.
2: That's fine. I'll go now. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm happy to be all of those labels and above. But thank you for yes. for your confession. You are <laughs> rightly and duly forgiven.
1: Oh, excellent. Good. I'm feeling <laughs> some closure on the situation now. <laughs> so uh, today's episode, we are looking at the fifth part of the MDNA, which is organic systems. And guiding us through this discussion with the videos from the Pioneer Bite Size is Ian Arthur. Ian is currently based in Port Glasgow, West Scotland, where he's been leading the community there for the last six and a bit years. He has a passion for all things outdoors, trying different things, and generally tends to see things from a bit of a different perspective to others. His life before being an officer was being a youth and community worker and manager for a decade, and he loved setting up new ways of engaging with people. Since then, he finds himself still looking to set us up with new ways of engaging with people.
3: I love to go out walking. More specifically, I love disappearing for days on end um, into areas that most people would avoid like the plague. I like walking up mountains. I like walking down them even better. I like walking around the coastline. I love to see ploughed fields. I love to see barren wasteland environments. I love walking through the Highlands. I love walking through the Peak District. I loved walking through the semi-desert in Kenya. I just love being out and about. And some people think it's because I love being out in the wild and in a little way I do. Some people think that it's because I like to push myself to get from A to B, but the reality is, I love the freedom. I need the freedom the simplicity of life, where the structure that keeps me going, that supports me, is that I get up, I get from A to B, and I go to bed. And that's all I have to think about. That when I get to a new place, I can set up my camp, my home for the night. I can appreciate the simple things, and I can appreciate what I've achieved that day, but I don't have to be anywhere tomorrow. And what this section of our bite size is thinking about this idea of organic systems kind of comes into that a little bit because I love the freedom of being out and about with a simple structure that works, that enables me to explore new places that I would never have seen or thought possible before.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we heard Ian say a few things there about organic systems and kind of being out in the wild and um enjoying going on long walks and i'm someone who loves going on walks beth would uh, agree that she doesn't It uh, usually is just...
2: just gonna say I, I like <laughs> confession time hate walking
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, I i'm like ian i absolutely love going on long walks sometimes i go for a walk thinking i'll be 10 minutes and end up being a couple of hours um but one <laughs> but i uh, i wonder what imaginary um imagery sorry What imagery uh, comes to mind when you think of organic systems and why? I think the human body is quite a good image
1: of organic Mm -hmm. systems, isn't it? Where you've got this. um, I remember actually Alan Hirsch uh, when he was speaking about this at one point, talking about how the human body. We often think that the brain is like the CEO of the human body. But in reality, like all of the different functions work somewhat independently of each other, but like completely connected and supporting each other. But it's not like um, everything has to be controlled in one sense. I think my biology may be way off on this, but um, I I just, yeah, I remember uh, him talking about the way that the body just all these different roles, all these different functions, all of these different um, shapes and sizes and abilities all working together. To, to do something amazing and create a person and that is you know billions of cells we're talking crammed into a, a person all all doing something that is far beyond any any one of them and yeah like there are there are things that need to be in place there are st- systems that if they fail the whole thing will fail mm-hmm. um but um yeah that it does seem to work and it seems to well it does work it creates this this amazing miracle of life mm-hmm. um and in some ways, church has to do something similar. Like, we need systems, we need, like, these things in place to make sure that it doesn't fall apart. But we also need to release the different parts to be who they are and to do the job that they do. Um, Yeah.
2: When Ian was talking, I couldn't help but think about something that I just caught myself thinking recently when, um, after, with all the strikes happening with the trains, and how our world runs like so many people are doing so many jobs all around the world that make things work. And when one thing stops, it does cause such chaos. And then I think about the pandemic when you know certain jobs stopped happening and kind of the world went silent. Like it just it when like organic systems, I just think about how our world is so incredible and how. Like the world in general, and then take that down to culture and society and to family systems. They often just kind of go and work without being defined, you know. I know some in some families, relationships are very roles are very clearly defined and same in society, but often we kind of just assume these natural roles, and then even down to like pioneering with John and I, when we both started in Faversham, we didn't lay out and say, right, this is the X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to do this and that it can't we kind of just both fell really not to use the you know, pun but organically we just fell into these what we just assumed these roles that were just innate in us and part of our DNA of who we were as people and I think it's so it's a beautiful picture really of how we can we can put too much structure on things in church that we can try and we forget that church is organic, church is something that is breathing and moving, and when we try to put labels and systems and structures and programs are we are we restricting the body from doing what it normally can? are we caging the body from being able to do anything do the things that it needs to
0: do I was just sort of thinking around what Ian was saying about like the different landscapes he likes to walk through mm. and like the the wasteland or the, you know, the semi deserts and that kind yeah. of stuff. And I was just sitting there thinking of like the different things that grow in that place and mm. those things that you'd think in those kind of adversities, there's still stuff that grows and finds a way to grow um, because they've got the freedom to do that. Um, yeah. You know, they get what they need to grow in that place. Um, and I was just sitting there thinking about how, yeah, an organic system at, at, at like the church that like we've already said, Um, maybe we've tried to shut too much water or too much Mm -hmm. of this to make it grow when actually we need to be like, well, this is the environment that it's meant to grow in, if that makes sense. And instead of trying either trying to stifle it, move it to somewhere else to grow or whatever, we Mm -hmm. you know, it's that kind of yeah, each each church in its individual context is going to grow in a different way or kind of look very different because it's growing in a wasteland or it's growing in a desert kind of thing um yeah. you know if you think of like a cactus compared to an oak tree mm. they're, they're both going to grow very differently and yeah. need the you know need different things to grow um i think that's quite an interesting part of like an organic system that grows in its particular space
2: i think one of the things that i find that i struggled with at the beginning when i first was introduced to this was it felt for me like the word organic systems really would like juxtapose each other. They don't, how can you have an organic system? You know, to me, that just doesn't feel like that is something that works. But actually, I think, and the more you begin to delve into understanding MDNA and understanding particularly Alan Hirsch's um, missiology, you begin to kind of see that bigger picture of, how actually it's like it's the chaotic, it's the things we think things shouldn't go together, but actually Mm. if we think about our God, that's just so opposed to our theology. Mm. Why why shouldn't, like, organic, why shouldn't nature, earth, like, stripped everything back, go back with order, function? Like, the two should marry. We've, as human beings, have made them not to be Mm. a marriage, whereas in everything in God, there can be that marriage, there can be that beauty. Yeah. So we kind of have to do that thing of stepping out of the way, I think, so yeah. that we can allow the two to go together. Yeah.
1: I think it's something we do as humans is we we create false dichotomies a lot of the time, and mm-hmm. we like to see things in a binary. It's got to be this way or that way, yeah. pick a side, and then have a fight over it. Um, whereas, yeah, so much in life doesn't sit on a binary this or that it it sits on a well this is true but that's true how do you how do you hold the hands of both how do you how do you find a space in between and that can be really tricky and i think when you start breaking down like anytime you see binaries in the world i think it's quite a helpful thing to think are these two actually completely opposed is there is there somewhere in the middle and and that can be quite an uncomfortable thing because sometimes mm-hmm. we find ourselves far on one side of something and anyone who sees it the other way is is the enemy um but yeah i i think we do get trapped in this binary thinking and it's true in that organic systems world as well because we can end up creating a system that is inorganic because we can't see we can't see the other side we can't see other arguments we can't change our perspective to look at the situation from a different way so yeah it's a it's a hard one to kind of to grow into (laughs) it also reminds me of we had a conversation in the missional incarnational uh podcast about um mission um being like the the soil for church to grow from or like um yeah like mission formed church rather than church forming its mission so and actually that when you have a, a a church that is birthed from a missional context that will inherently have a more organic system because of where it's come from, because of yes. it's clearly aimed and clearly grown out of a community and of something that's happening. Whereas when you kind of copy and paste a church and plant it into an area, um, those systems aren't organic because they're, they're artificial systems that have been transplanted. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think sometimes that can be shown up when we start looking at the missional life of a church.
2: 100% one of the things that is most beautiful about organic systems is that it and I think a lot of this is you, you try and think you know well how can I think about that in terms of my understanding of scripture and my understanding of Jesus and all of that and and then you go well actually if I look at my knowledge and my understanding of Jesus's teachings they're all so many of them are like rich in like the organic stuff, you know, there's fields, there's seeds, there's vines, there's, you know, all of the things, if you think about it so much of, and that's not just Jesus' teaching, it goes right back to through the Old Testament, you know, desert land. We, it's, it's a copy of, of what we need to understand as church, isn't it? All these things. And we have, I don't know if we've just become too materialistic right I don't think it is I don't know if, I don't quite understand how we've got to where we are when we've got what we have in scripture I think is what I'm trying to say you know when so much of scripture the teachings of Jesus are are based on these things on organic systems you know we're looking at at the moment really heavily John 15 you know I and those things and you think what does it really mean to be those things what does it really mean to be the vine if you know if we're thinking about the harvest and seeds and sowing all of these things that particularly we think about as fresh expressions you know breaking new ground it's in our title it's about the earth it's about what we do um how do we really relate that into who we are as people but also what we do as a church
3: Eliza Shirley. One of the unsung heroes of the Salvation Army was 16 when she joined the Salvation Army, much to the bemusement of her family. By 17, she had offered to work in the Army and was made a Lieutenant and sent up to help the work in Berwick-upon-Tweed. She was originally from Coventry, a corps, a church, an expression of Salvation Army that was started by another 16-year-old girl who'd been sent to start the work of the Salvation Army in the brutal, dark, industrial cities of the Victorian age. Eliza was working for the army, helping to lead the work in Berwick-upon-Tweed, but not long after that, in 1879, we find that her family were emigrating to America, specifically to Philadelphia, and her dad was really keen that she would come with them. Which, for a 17 year old, you would kind of want to invite your child to come along with you when you were emigrating. Eliza went to William Booth and explained the situation, that she didn't want to give up work in the army, but she didn't want to leave her family to go to America without her, and she would want to help to start this work of the Salvation Army in America. William Booth was a little bit unsure as to whether this would work. The Salvation Army before had tried to go into America as the Christian mission and it had failed. But now was a chance for a young, enthusiastic Salvationist to go over and start the Salvation Army. For proper, for real, in the States. So William Booth, in his iniquitable style, said, well, I can't fund you, I can't officially send you, but go over and see what happens. And if you need reinforcements, let us know. And he happily sent her and released her because she'd already sent herself to Philadelphia. When in Philadelphia, Eliza, with the help of her family, start administering to people on the streets. She ha- rented an old chair factory to hold meetings in, that they needed to renovate while they were on the hoof, while they were going. It became known as the Salvation Factory, a name that still exists today as a title for imaginative, creative new work in the USA Eastern Territory. Because one girl stepped up and said, I'm going to do this and started the work she then written. Telegram then came back to London, to William Booth, saying the Salvation Army's opened, send reinforcements. She didn't wait to be sent officially by the Salvation Army. She didn't wait to be trained to go to the States. She just got on a boat with her parents and landed in Philadelphia and started the Salvation Army.
1: Wow. I, I didn't know that story I hadn't heard that before actually so that was quite amazing to hear yeah so much resonated with me in that and yeah I feel like there's so many things we could talk about uh but we've got a question here and it, it talks about how Eliza had had to change her whole life and up sticks and move to a whole new country uh have you ever experienced this uh or I don't think many of us have been moved to a whole new country but uh, have you experienced having to kind of like change a big part of your life and trust God in where he's sending you to go?
4: Yeah I guess I can speak into that a little bit. Um, I trained as a primary school teacher um, at university and um, I, I felt a really strong call that I was to work with young people but It wasn't going to be in a classroom in that mainstream teaching um, capacity. And man, it gave me a lot of respect for teachers because they work really, really hard. Um, But for me, I felt God really called me into sort of children's work and youth ministry, which is a whole different kettle of fish to teaching and being in the classroom. Um, And so that's something that I guess I'm still on that journey in now, like a I'm grateful to be in paid employment in youth youth work and children's ministry but um yeah god threw me and i was in nottingham as a student in nottingham and then finished my degree and then came back to leeds i grew up in leeds but all of a sudden had nowhere to live in leeds because my parents were in skipton um and yeah i had all of a sudden had to work out what youth ministry and children's ministry might look like in, in a brand new context um, with, with Ed and Sophie and Caroline and, um, yeah, such a great team.
1: And I guess that must have feel, felt quite disorienting after training as a teacher to kind of get this thing of, oh, well, it's not quite teaching. Those skills are good. They're going to be helpful, but you're going yeah. somewhere else.
4: And, and I think the thing that sort of helped me through that was, I'd kind of planned that for my life. Like I'd mm-hmm. gone, Oh, I'll be a teacher. That's a good job. Like I'll, you know, be able to buy a house and you know, all of that kind of thing. And a, and a really wise person that, um, that I knew, I know, no sort of said to me, but if you want to follow Jesus, it's not always going to be safe. Like sometimes, following jesus is actually taking the challenging road is taking the road that
3: Mm. is
4: dangerous and you can't quite see it and you don't know what's in front of you but you know god has a plan for us and he knows exactly what's going to happen and so it can feel really scary taking that leap taking that jump but actually um there's so much life in that you know john um, John ten ten says that living with Jesus means living life to the fullest, and and I believe that taking that step has allowed me to do that. Do you
2: do you think as well that we have this perception with just I think just young people's lives in general, but with university and things that a that certain steps mean that we have to fulfil certain outcomes. You know, and I I think that can be the same with church. You know, we think, yeah. okay, we we will do – I can't really think of an analogy as I'm thinking like thinking on the spot, but, you know, we don't have to always follow the same formula. Yeah. Do we? You know, you can go to law and end up becoming a CEO of a beauty brand. You know, they're just – they can be so – that's a really bad analogy. <laughs> but – you know, or you can go to study medicine and, and go into a completely different field. I know people who've done that. You know, it doesn't. Mm. We we don't have to always follow such a really rigid formula. Yeah. Mm. And I feel, I feel like society does that to us, doesn't it? It expects us to fo- to fulfill that formula. Mm. But isn't it so freeing that we follow a God that doesn't that isn't in those things? A God yeah. that is beyond that you know it's not even beyond a box there is no box there is no formula and it's it is and the word organic systems in that for me means just flowing and I think of rivers and I think of just things being so natural and freeing and as those images in the video that obviously you as podcast listeners can't see but the landscapes are just open and Ian really clearly used that word freeing and I think that's really that's such a powerful key word for this is that it's so freeing and when you were speaking Hannah I could really hear that how I mean I might I I hope I'm not speaking for you but it sounded like it was freeing for you to be able to step into this experience yeah
4: yeah absolutely yeah Mm. yeah and I think yeah I think you're absolutely right society says or certainly the society that I grew up in said that you've got to go to school you've got to go get an education you've got to go to university um and, and I, you know, that was just the path that I sort of took and I didn't really step back at all and ever go, well, if I want to work with young people, how else could that look like, you know? I never really thought about that because that was
2: the place I was in. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. That's similar to what you were saying, there, Ed, wasn't it? About, you know, how we don't always have to follow a copy and paste. One, what one church does... The, again it's that formula thing we don't have to have the same patterns we don't have to have the same systems as everybody else because if it is you know if you think about your garden I mean particularly our garden nothing grows how you want it to how you expect it to and you can get frustrated and think you know why is that not done what I want it to but that's that's life that's that is what it is is no things don't grow at your rate life neither does life happen at our rate things happen in in the system and the natural order of things so mm. we just have to take a bit of humble pie really and, and allow it to grow and allow it to just use and use what we use what we get and not try and restrict that really
1: yeah and it's amazing all the different directions that god calls us into when we actually you know spend the time listening and um you know for a long time growing up my my parents are officers um and that uh, my mum's parents were officers and my sister's an officer and it's it's like it was a whole thing and um i remember for a long time just thinking like well god well, it is absolutely true that god calls us into all sorts of different things right and that is true that is that is absolutely true god can call us into working at Uh, A YouTube company if we want to stick with Beth's (laughs) analogy God can call us into the strangers of places and sometimes we can we can put in those as the church those limits of what we consider calling Mm. and that's dangerous and uh, it's been really funny um, recently um, because I feel like God's got a real sense of humor as well at times because we've been looking at what's God calling us into doing in pioneering in Bramley and we've started a brass band, <laughs> which you know, growing up in the Salvation Army, hating brass bands is just hilarious. And I, yeah, we ki- like dragged kicking and stream- screaming into running this brass band, but it's been amazing, and there's been some brilliant connections made. And actually, you can really see God working in that. Um, personally, I can, you know, uh, I look at Eliza's story and what I'm, you know, headed into as like my wife and I move down to college um training college in in next month um is quite is quite daunting really and it's it's somewhat similar um i'm sophie and i first kind of felt a calling into salvation army officership which i guess is also a bit of a sense of humor thing from god because that was the one thing i never thought god would call me to do um but uh we first felt or heard a calling to it when we were 18 so about eight years ago and at the time I, like Sophie was like all in she was ready I was a little bit like oh let's just let's just cool this off and and um, test it for a while and we ended up going to university we ended up coming and spending time here at Copper Beach and throughout all of that God just kind of confirmed that this was where he was sending us. And that's been a really long journey for us, but I think it had to be for me to kind of test that it was organic (laughs) and not a copied and pasted calling that I'd heard from other people. And yeah, sometimes I think sometimes we're so afraid of the artificial thing that we, we, we can be, we could be hesitant to accept what, what actually God is planting himself in Mm. our lives. Um, Yeah.
2: That's really true in Fresh Expressions. you know i think john will probably hopefully agree with me that when we took the step for restarting the work of the salvation army in faversham the fact um the corps had closed in the 70s and most people had kind of salvation army connected had left by the early 90s completely um so we were going in there having felt god call us into this town very clearly um and both coming from secular jobs I was a secondary school teacher John in sales and that kind of step into that was that was really it's not to trivialize it but that felt easy that step for me anyway but it was the fresh expression stuff that was scary Mm -hmm. trusting God in not having the traditional format and processes Mm -hmm. of normal church is really tough being in an open space on a market stall where you just greet people and you have to almost do that thing where people are walking past and they see you looking at them and they put their head down and run a mile. That's our form of church being on the market stall on a busy market day is one of our forms of church. And we had to really trust God in these processes that when we are so out of our comfortability and so out of our depth, you know, we are, we can be church we can be Jesus in those spaces for for many churches programs and systems have their have their place um but we don't want to become reliant upon them we don't want to become comfortable in them Mm. I certainly had um and it was really scary not to have a building not to have all of these people with titles as we do in the Salvation Army with roles to be able to fall back on It all falls on John and I. It all falls on wonderful people who we ask out on social media for volunteers for things. It falls out to the people in the community. It is so stripped back and so raw that that is a really scary, vulnerable place to be. Hmm. But in that space, we've just had the most beautiful experiences because um, I, I don't know if it's because we're in that place of vulnerability or because we had to lean on God more than we've ever had to lean on God but I've definitely seen the fruits of that I don't know if you want to expand on that John or if you want to disagree with me no I think
0: no I think you're you're spot on I think like the other thing that was really daunting and I think you've kind of mentioned it already Ed as well like the the kind of process of going into spiritual leadership um within the Salvation Army so kind of going and down a different route with right. for people to understand was and for someone like us that's grown up in the Salvation Army as well it was quite daunting to go wait a minute um God's not called us to Salvation Army officership yet like you know we God's called us to this place first and that was a really daunting thing um because it was like wait a minute we go you know in quote we're going against what you know our whole understanding of what our systems are in Mm. the salvation army but um you know but through that through the kind of assessments we had to do and the kind of the people that got around us you know as in pioneer enablers people like Mm. andrew and all that that kind of were encouraging us along the way um really helped that kind of yeah kind of root ourselves into where we're going and root ourselves into trusting God and like you said all you know already like um yeah it's just taking that leap um and trusting in that in that and kind of yeah that was another part of like the daunting aspect it's just that kind of trusting and kind of yeah is this right yeah this is what God's called us to and we're seeing the fruits of that and yeah but
2: isn't this like that story of Eliza she had you know if we said to you know, if a new country was discovered today and the army said that they needed to send somebody to to bring the army to this new country that, you know, or that didn't have the Salvation Army. How many qualifications, how many titles and systems would they have to have to go and do that? But Eliza had none of those. Mm. She was 16 years old. We would never even dream of sending a 16-year-old today to start the work of the Salvation Army yeah i i i i want to pray for more people like eliza today i want to pray for more young people old people of any age age isn't really the factor really in this but people that just say i want to do this and we just say how can we help you
1: yeah yeah
2: okay i trust that you feel that that empowerment of god that discernment thing that's let's see, you know, she went with no money, no, no sending, no funding and just went. Yeah. It's just a ama- mate. It's an amazing story.
4: Amazing. It reminds me of the characters in the Bible, the people in the Bible who God just went, yep, you're going to go do this. So like Moses who'd killed, he was old. He, you know, like so much was going against Moses. He couldn't speak. They had to send someone to help him speak. And, um, but God was like, no, you are the person for this job. You are the person I am calling to to go and free the Egypt, free the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, as I was watching the video, I just kept the phrase that kept going around my head was God doesn't, oh I'm gonna need to say this right, God doesn't um call the equipped, he equips the called and and that thing that actually are uh, um we might not know what's coming up we don't know what's round the corner but god doesn't ask us to have all the answers he just asks us for that that little yes that sort of the obedience from us and once when we've said that when we said yeah we will do that then god comes in and goes right well here's here's that person that you need or here's that that thing or here's that skill that you really need to be able to do that thing and, um, and, yeah, and I think that sometimes it's really important to remember that we, yeah, we need that little bit of faith to trust that God's got it, you know, and mm. have it all sorted ourselves. Mm. Mm.
1: It's funny because I, I agree with everything you're saying, but that's st- I'm still getting that little bit of fear in me. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine if, you know, the savage night, if you, if you just heard God say you got to go abroad and set something up? Oh, that would be it. Would be horrendous, and I, my concern, if it was someone else, would be thinking, oh, well, you have got like problems of the reputational damage that could happen. You've got mm-hmm. safeguarding stuff. You've got risk assessments. They would need to complete. That's have they it. had a DBS che- check? All this stuff, which I, I do think is important as well. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as, as the Salvation time as the church in general, we've let so many people down with our safeguarding. We've let mm-hmm. people down with our risk assessments and um, lack of health and safety stuff. And, you know, as much as we all love to complain about it, for me, it is something of an organisational repentance that we now look out and have to protect people to a higher standard. Yeah. So these yeah. organic systems, yes, they've got to release people, they've got to give people freedom, but they also have to protect and they also have to equip and, yeah. and serve people. And this is this balance that you've got to walk that, how do we keep it organic? How do we keep it free and groovy and how do we <laughs> protect and serve and yeah. Uh, and build up systems that actually support people as well. I, I, it's a huge conversation for the church.
0: Yeah. Massive.
2: Yeah. We were actually having a similar conversation about that with um, Andrew Vertigan, you know, and, and, and he's spoken into that. I think John mentioned it briefly about when we started, you know, what we do. And I consider us to have a considerable amount of freedom, really, in, in producing what we feel God called us to do in our community. Mm. But as you said, Ed, we still had all the right checks. We didn't just rock up and go, hi, we want to do this. And the next day we were doing it there were formalities, there were interviews and safeguarding and checks, and we have to fill in all the forms. And if somebody does volunteer, they have to do all these things. Um, and that can feel like a, a frustration, but it's protecting that you it's the whole MDNA. Isn't just one thing on its own, is it? It is, it is a bigger part of all these other things. And I think if we think about a we think about Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. we will will need to protect these people that we're also being free to experiment with them as well. So it is that importance, as you said, of having that complete balance and understanding that to be a body, we've got to make sure that we are keeping healthy, strong, mind, body, and soul. And to do that, we have to have things to protect vulnerable people, to protect ourselves, to stop us, you know, running around and doing crazy things, you know, I think about some sort of the things we think you could do and you think, "Whoa, that's just too crazy for us to do. Like calm down, slow, especially John, sorry, John, but <laughs> John would have like, you know, the firework, the full shebang. He would go all out. Oh, I want to do this crazy thing. And I'm the one that's like, whoa, yeah. hang on.
1: It's this mad man coming out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. It's definitely in his genes, as you heard. <laughs> um, it's definitely in his genes. He would do, he would do the crazy things, but, but that's why we have the body of Christ. That's why we have so many people, because there are people that are really good at seeing where there needs to be protection in place, where there needs mm-hmm. to be this, um, where there needs to be discernment, where there needs to be prophecy, where there needs to be teaching. All of these things have to come in place to ensure that we can have these organic systems. Yeah. It's that going back to what we talked about earlier. They have to be married. They're not mutually exclusive. They can, you know, they've got to work together.
1: Yeah, I loved the word chaotic that you used earlier, that chaos and order coming together.
2: 100%, yeah. I think that's a really good word for organic systems, is the chaotic. Our
4: Bible passage is from Luke 10, and it's verse 1 to 20. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bags, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in, your, in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking, whatever they provide. For the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move from this house. To, uh, do not move from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat and eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, "The kingdom of God has come near to you." But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say. Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than, that, than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the deeds of the power done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But at the judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The return of the seventy. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven.
1: So I wonder, where can you see organic systems in that reading that we just heard? It was quite a long reading, so I'm just trying to collate all Mm. of it, all the thoughts in my head. The initial one that stood out for me just to answer my own question there um was the bit where he spoke about i well, spoke about shaking the dust from his feet from the town that that didn't want that and that's a phrase that I, I i've heard you know caroline in our setting use a fair amount when we talk about trying things just giving it a go and being willing to fail and just saying okay you know we, we gave that a go we went there and it didn't fit but that's fine. Shake the dust from your feet, and we go again. We try something else. And for me, that's a central part of this pioneering mentality is having a a, a system that allows for failure, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when and then and the flip side of that is that when it's going going well, when you have it, sort of talks about a person of peace, someone who. um is willing and open to the spirit going with that and and seeking what that means for that person and and um yeah seeking hospitality with that person
1: yeah Mm. to use another kind of poetic phrase um it's sailing in the wind of the spirit i've heard used for that, that sort of thing where when something feels easy is the wrong word to use but Uh, I hope you get what I mean when something feels like there is a direction, like you're being pulled somewhere and and it's good and you can see good things happening just to go with it. And actually, sometimes when you're trying really hard, you're working your, your socks off and it's just not happening. Sometimes there you've got to shake the dust from your feet and maybe turn around and see if the if the wind's blowing in a different direction, too.
4: And I think that's something that we we've seen as a as Bramley community with our brass band group.
1: Yeah, you know,
4: this was something that we weren't sure was going to work. We didn't yep. know whether it was going to fall on its feet or not. But actually, God has really used it, and we've had our young people, the young people who were part of the brass group, now come to our youth group, and we've been we've been able to speak to some of their parents as well, and yep. and that's been something that's really gone in the wind you know it's something that has caught um and yet had it not worked had we not managed to people weren't interested then it would have just been dropped and we would have gone with something else maybe we would have created a a woodwind band no (laughs) maybe
1: I mean, rock band, guitar club is what I was hoping for, but apparently, people in Bramley want brass.
4: <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Ed, but we have been learning heavy metal in our yes, yes,
1: we have. There's a song called Heavy Metal that, yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you how it goes, but it's it's three or four notes, and it's it's quite repetitive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Love that.
0: Um, so yes, we're gonna. Uh, we're going to watch you're going to listen to uh, video three Um, and then after that um, I'm just going to read some of the quotes that have been given to us after the after watching the video in the kind of reflection Um, and we want to encourage you listeners to maybe pause the podcast and uh, take time to reflect um, and just sort of think around what what one of these quotes maybe stood out to you um, and what one maybe yeah just sort of hits home um, and just take time to kind of read them and meditate on that um so yeah so just kind of listen to that video now
3: the former archbishop of canterbury Rowan williams makes uses the term rooted and free to talk about the church this idea of being kind of firmly rooted in christ but actually just like a tree, having those bending, waving branches that sway in the breeze, that give that have that freedom to move around as they wish, as they will, as they're blown, as the spirit blows them. That actually whilst we have organizational structures, that these structures are there to help. William Booth once said that the orders and regulations of the Salvation Army, the structures early on that were put in place for a rule of life, for the way to do things, were not meant to be anything other than the equivalent of water in a canal. That they would help us float down this canal, would help us in our journey. But so often, these structures can become strictures. They can become the roadblocks They can become the reasons for not doing rather than the reasons for doing. They can be that which stops us instead of that which guides us on. And our challenge is to hold loosely to those, to work towards being that living, breathing, organic system. A system that's not set in concrete, but is more like the steel legs on a trampoline. There are a few things that we need to keep hold of, but the rest of it, we bounce and we can get higher, and we can get higher. If we allow our systems to grow, then suddenly we move from a street corner to an abandoned warehouse to a Salvation Factory. We see a communication between the center of an organization and its edge. We then see this order from chaos forming around us. At the start of Genesis, we can see the the Spirit hovered over the deep, hovered over the waters in some translations. This idea of the waters, in Jewish understanding at the time, represented chaos. Water was chaos, it was the unknown. The sea was not to be trusted, it could throw you out at a moment's notice. And then God says, let there be light. There is order coming into the chaos. Not strangling the chaos. Channeling. The church needs the centre. The church needs the edge. The church needs the order. The church needs the chaos. The church needs to hold these things in tension. We need systems to help us, to guide us. But we need a loose enough hold on them to be able to do different things. Off the cuff, great things. Another really powerful
0: and challenging video. I'm just looking at the faces of us on the on the Zoom. We're all just like, "Wow, that was yeah." yeah. just powerful. This
1: podcast could be three hours, couldn't it? <laughs> it
2: could be. It could be. <laughs> Easy. Simple. You can't condense it though.
0: No. no. But um, yeah, well, I'm just going to read a few of the quotes um, to you now, and then, like I said just going to take time just to reflect so feel free to pause the episode and just take time or if you're on a walk just uh, maybe rewind and listen to that video again and uh, see if you find something else in that video that stood out to you but here are some of the quotes now the more i consider christianity the more i found that while it has established a rule and order the chief aim of that order was to give room for good things to run wild and that was jake uh, gk chesterton We're making things up as we go along. There are huge risks in trying to bring pioneers into the institution because they need space and freedom and a degree of autonomy, while the institution is a managerial structure that will try to keep things in familiar boxes. We have to try to balance the managerial and the entrepreneurial way of working or the institutional and the spirit led. Movements by definition cannot be led and they cannot be planned really they defy control and singular identity a movement is an egoless enterprise that's brian sanders and then a couple william boob ones if moses had operated through committees the israelites never would have got across the red sea you have to follow the right pattern
1: can i just add a bible verse that i thought of during that video and um it's Matthew 11, 28 to 30, uh, the message translation. And when he was talking about structures becoming strictures, uh, this really um, came to mind and it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. Mm-hmm. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There's a lot in this. I really didn't think there would be at the start of this episode, but perhaps I've not spent enough time thinking about this topic.
0: (laughs) it's, It's transformed for me, actually. Yeah. I thought, oh, this one's gonna be quite quick. <laughs> and actually, it's quite it's dry difficult. as well. Yeah. But mm, yeah. But actually, I think Ian's come across amazingly on it. I think it's yeah. like these context and what yeah, he's kind of gift set as well, fits it and like okay. you say, we could talk for hours.
2: That analogy when he talked about William Booth talking about the orders and regulations, why isn't that like in a quote in every church? Mm. every core cool building. <laughs> that yeah. should be. Never that I've never I have no, never heard that neither. before. and I've heard the orders and regulations far too much, especially since my new job um which is ironic. Um, yeah, I just that should be printed out. That is such a beautiful image mm. of what systems should be and yeah. how we should use systems. water in a
0: canal.
1: Yeah, and I loved describing it as a rule of life, as like a a way that we commit to living that will like see us in that direction. Will actually give us that buoyancy. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because with with making it a rule of life, it has to change and adapt and grow as you mm. change, adapt, and grow. Because yes. the rules that we have for our lives. They will all be picked apart, won't they? They will just all be shaped by experiences, internal, external. And it's just, yeah, wow.
4: And they change as well, depending on what we're going through. With, you know, like,
2: yeah.
4: rule of life for a 20-year-old is going to be different for a 35-year-old who's got kids, you know. When,
3: yeah.
4: um, and I mission has to adapt to that. Like, I always think about pioneering in your... In your life space so pioneering for me looks different to Caroline my boss because she's a mum and has kids at school and and for all the years that her kids were at primary school she was chatting to all the parents at the at the school gates and you know um you know so for me it's it's with my friends that those who are around me um so yeah it's it is organic because it has to change to do with where you are in life and the opportunities that are in front of you you
2: know but don't we have the like the best example in how to live that organic life in Jesus like how he modeled his ministry for those three years just and I don't think we really think about it and one of the things that is on our little bit of our our, we're on our soapbox about is the series The Chosen we've been journeying with that through a group of people as a, as a form of uh, discipleship and study. And they, they kind of subtly show those organic systems of, of his living um, Mm. and how that was reproduced as, as kind of the disciples came in and how it was then became their habits of living in terms of the way they spoke, the practices, the rhythms of life. And it just, it's so incredibly clever. There's an Mm -hmm. episode in season two, I think it might be episode seven when he teaches him the Lord's prayer. And I was just absolutely floored. I was in pieces crying about this because the way that it was shown was just how it can be and should be and how it's intended to be. This rule of life, this embedded, reproducible thing that is easily caught on, easily understood, easily said, easily spoken, easily lived. But yet we reduce it to a system and a robotics thing that our, you know, but it shouldn't be that. It should be almost like breathing. Mm -hmm. It's like prayer. It should almost be something that is like unconscious in us. Um, That's how I think we can get to that part of organic systems. It was just organic in who Jesus was because of him being the son of God. So then by copying that, it should become to be, you know, missiology. All of these things should just be like breathing to us you know, so easy, so free, and so natural.
3: During the first COVID lockdown in 2020, we were in a unique situation for Port Glasgow Salvation Army in that most of our soldiers our members our adherents our volunteers fell in the age groups that had to lock down and shield we got in contact with the community volunteers that sprung up almost overnight to help people that needed food that needed shopping to help look after neighbors and found out that there was a a few problems and teething problems of how they worked together and made things happen Safely and how that worked when they were getting asked questions by people in authority and we were given the opportunity to take these volunteers under our wing to say we are the Salvation Army now you become part of the Salvation Army in this moment let's volunteer together, let's work together let's give you the systems that are flexible and free enough for you to go and do what you need to do and know that you're safe And know that you're looked after. As we carried on, we ended up through that partnership working with other charities and community sectors and churches. We ended up providing or helping to provide thousands and thousands of meals. We ended up with lifelong friends. We ended up even now, still helping and supporting with legacy projects. Mobile apps to help mental health issues, to monitor mental health. Podcasts to help people's spiritual well being. Projects to help people grieve when they couldn't get to a funeral and many, many others, because we said, you know what? You're doing this good work, we'll support you. God, do what he's doing. Here are the systems that are flowing, that are organic. We built, and we built into something bigger than ourselves and than anyone else, because God was in it.
0: Again, another really powerful video um, from me, and we thank him for his teaching in this. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to ask the question, what stood out to, what stood out to you as we uh, as we listened to that? I think for me, it was the last kind of quote he said, which was like "We build and we build into something wonderful because God was in it." And I was just like, so vote so, so true
1: yeah and that example he gave where you he could, could see people trying to do something but not having the support structure there and Mm -hmm. actually just acknowledging the gift of systems that we we had or he had at that point and offering it freely as well and not hoarding resources not hoarding support structures Mm -hmm. and I think that's that's a, a kingdom model isn't it that you know for for those of us that exist within support structures that can resource and can equip people how how freely and, uh, and willingly are we inviting people into those support structures how mm. freely are we equipping people that are being raised up by God to do stuff um, and yeah I think that's a challenge in itself because mm. he's, he's, he speaks about it as just the natural <clears throat> thing to do it's like of course we're going to do that we've got it you need it let's let's work together but I think sometimes we can become territorial, can't we? And we can think, oh well, you know, we need to be doing this, um, and you know, you've not, you've not got it together, so you need to get it together. Rather than say, oh, we've got this bit, you've got that bit. Let's let's work together.
2: It made me think about um, the Bible passage when it says the harvest is great, um, because I always kind of took that in the sense to think about how. What God has provided for us on this earth is already enough, Hmm. you know. And how we, what we've got here on this earth is already enough. When we read it this time, which is it is true. But when we read it this time, I kept thinking about how he's saying it's got to be gathered up. There are people that are saying it's got to be gathered up. We've got to get that harvest in. It's so great that goodness, that richness. These people are so good. We cannot waste time in telling them about Jesus. And it's mm-hmm. that's so true that God is already there. And Alan Hirsch says this, God is already in these spaces. Take away human beings, take away everything. God is still there, mm-hmm. but we are just on mission with God. We are just working with God in these things. And the mm-hmm. beautiful thing in this system in, in, with this is that um, we just have the opportunity to, to reap that harvest. We've got the opportunity. God is using us to, to get all these people in, to gather these people before and not to go to the end times because that could make us into a whole longer podcast but you know because he's coming again and we've got to gather those people we've got to get that harvest in there are people that don't know all of these things there are people that aren't touched aren't transformed by the the amazing grace of jesus christ so we've got to get we've got to get that harvest in um we've just we've just got to do it because god's there and wants us to do it and wants us to be a part of the of the earth and the turning and the nature of things and the systems and the living and the breathing of this earth that he created.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think for me, the thing that stood out was the way um, it, it, it's Ian, isn't it? He used, um, he used whoever was there, whoever, you know, the workers were few, you know, they, they didn't have their usual supply of Sally Army members because they were shielding, and so they were. He had to use um, people who were just willing, and and I imagine some of those were were people who didn't know Jesus. And what an amazing opportunity that must have been for Ian to share the kingdom, share the gospel with with those volunteers who stepped up because they'd seen a need. And for me, I've always um, seen what, what an opportunity that is to do mission, to do ministry with those who don't necessarily know that's what they're doing. Um, yeah. you know, so inviting them to join in on the mission and then while you're doing that mission, going, oh, we're doing this because we love Jesus and here's the gospel and here's this, that and the other. And, and I think I'd love to speak to Ian to hear some of the conversations that he's had with mm. those individuals, because, it you know, in that video, he talks about the fact that some of them are now lifelong friends. He's made li- relationship and commitment to these people. And yeah. I have no doubt that God has been working in that, in those relationships, in those people's hearts. And, and that's just one example and, and I think it's just encouraged me again today that, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily have to use um, Christians all the time to do things like we can. No. We can bring Absolutely. almost anybody into to things um, where appropriate and where these systems allow and where DBSs yeah. and all that kind of things are in place. But actually, how, how, what an opportunity we have to share the gospel with people while we're doing. We don't have to wait till they're ready. We don't have to wait till they've signed on the dotted line, till they've gone to the mercy seat. I think I've got the right selling. Oh, I'm wow. You
1: are. And, uh... You are a pro at this now, <laughs> Hannah. Brilliantly done.
4: Um, let's get them involved straight
1: away you know yeah yeah and i guess that highlights this thing of all the mdna being interconnected and interwoven together yeah that you were talking about organic systems there but you might as well have been talking about missional and incarnational impulse yeah you might be as well have been talking about discipleship and disciple making yeah
4: you absolutely. might have
1: been talking about Jesus as lord being at the center of all this that all of this is just working together even a pest culture there about how we're releasing people into using their god-given gifts and then you know we're going to be talking next time about liminality and communitas and the community that is forged within the those risky environments and those difficult places to be and that the the covid what a, a liminal experience that was for us as a community but we'll get there we'll get there in next episode i'm not getting ahead of myself um yeah that they're they're so interwoven and interconnected there and i think that's one of the things i like about this model is that that it's it's not it's avoiding that kind of distinct binaries of it's this it's that it's that sure we can talk about them individually but they're so connected as as well Mm
2: -hmm. I heard a phrase once that stuck with me and I think it was Francis Chan, Chan or Chan, but don't quote me on that. Cause it mm. might not be, but it's reading about is that the gospel is enough. And when I first got into Alan Hirsch, I could, I just saw that in that, in that it's so true. Like that is what is transferable. That has what has t- stood the test of time. That is what is able to continuously multiply and multiply all the years that it's lasted all the nations it's expanded to, the languages it's reached, the, the lives it's touched, because it's enough, because Christ is enough, because that—that that is what's universal. That is what's transferable. The power of Jesus Christ as a human being, his attitude, his language, his love, his grace, mm. that is what is able to be multiplied because it's, tran- it's transforming, because it's healing, because it's restoring, because it's everything. Um, we just need more of that more people to be transformed
1: by that yeah and what a gospel it is actually isn't it just to say you know god is inviting you to participate in what he's doing in the world you know that's an invitation to get involved and yeah 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 it's exciting organic systems are the heart of a missional pioneering movement They solely exist to give shape and scope to the adventure and exploration of the pioneering missionaries. These structures need to be held loosely, so that like the field that's left seemingly follow, the beauty, order and shape can take place. The old and the new coexisting in perfect natural harmony.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We thank you for tuning in and journeying with us. If you've been journeying with us all the time, if you just tuned in for this episode, um, don't forget that there are four other episodes before this, um, no. and you're more than welcome to go and listen to those and journey with us as we've gone through this MDNA um, pioneering bite size. Um, Don't forget you are also able to go and join on the listener groups. Um, So you've got the Essay Pining podcast uh, group on Facebook and you've also got the Some Sort of Miracle listening group on Facebook as well. So feel free to add yourself to those. Um, Our next episode is in two weeks' time. So uh, look out for that on your uh, podcast platform of choice. Um, And, uh, yeah, so it's goodbye from me. It's uh, goodbye from Ed. And be well. And be well. And it's goodbye from Hannah.
4: See you later.
0: And it's goodbye from our special guest of the evening, uh, Beth.
2: Bye everybody, it's been great to be here.